I welcome you to our weekly Bible study this morning um, and just thank you for putting some time aside as we reflect on some passages from the scriptures. I apologize in advance for my, um, my voice. I have some sinus issues today, so I'm sure that you'll still be able to hear um, the Bible study, but come let us pray together and then we'll have a look at the passages um, that I think would offer us some hope today um, and also give us some new insights. So let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we set this time aside today or this evening, whenever we are listening to this, trusting, Lord God, that from you comes the inspiration for our spiritual lives. We thank you that you are the one who called us out of darkness into your glorious light. And so part of the discipline of being connected to you and being part of your family is gathering around the scriptures and gathering together in prayer. So we offer you this time in the name of Jesus. Amen. For today, um, I'm going to take us to two of the Apostle Paul's prayers, um, read them for us, and then just offer one or two insights. Um, probably less of a hectic Bible study, but more of a, a reflection on these passages um, and, and hopefully it will give us some help when it comes to our own prayer lives. Now, I mean, if you're honest, I think if, it, if all of us are honest, um, prayer is probably one of the hardest of the spiritual disciplines. Um, if we don't use the excuse of saying, I'm too busy, or I don't know how to pray, or, you know, um, what should I actually be praying? There's a whole lot of excuses we make, but... Um, the reality is that prayer is indeed a discipline. Yes, it's a relationship and a communication with God, but if we don't set time aside for it or make time, then actually it won't happen. Um, and there are certainly many people that have kind of mastered prayer, and I think it's also a little bit of a, an oxymoron in a way, because I don't think anybody ever masters prayer, but people that have become men and women of prayer. Um, you could probably even think of someone today who has been a prayer warrior in your life or in your community. Um, and so today, as we take on this challenge, um, I'm going to read to us two prayers from Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. So that's Ephesians. Um, but I want to ask us one or two questions beforehand that would get you thinking. So um, before you even hear the prayer, if you could just think about one or two things. So here's the first question. In these two prayers, what requests does Paul make for the church in Ephesus? And um, once we've kind of figured out what those two requests are, how can we then include these kind of requests in our own prayer life? And I think that's an important thing because it's not just an analysis of what Paul prayed, but how could we adopt those into our own prayer lives? And then the second question I'd like to ask us is, do you think it's important that we kneel when praying? So before you answer out loud, um, just think on that. And as we get into the very first passage, there will be a bit of commentary on that. Um, so those are the first two, just two very simple questions. Um, what two requests does Paul make? And how can we include those? And then the second one is, do you think it's important that we need to kneel when praying. So Ephesians chapter 3 is the first passage we're going to look at. And 
And this, remember, is a message that Paul is giving to the church. More than likely, Paul is in prison at this time. And so he's wanting to pass on the good news and letters of encouragement to the church. Um, we all, obviously all understand that in the context of the time, there was no way of sending a message besides a letter. Paul couldn't phone the leaders of the church. He couldn't send them a WhatsApp or an email or even put something on social media. But he, he wrote to the church um, with a specific goal in mind. So I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 3 from verse 14. Paul says, When I think of the wisdom and scope of God's plan, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. Now, Some of you who are very astute and wise, already you're saying, aha, the Bible says I have to fall to my knees and pray. Um, it says it right here in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. Now you are right, except um, what is interesting to note is that usually Jewish folk would pray standing up, standing with their arms outstretched, um, with their palms upwards, ready to receive, to give and to receive. So this um, immediately when I suppose people would be listening to it in the context, they would be saying, okay, wow. So Paul is really, really serious about this prayer. So he's actually going to be falling on his knees, not just standing up, but falling on his knees. And, and there is um, a lot of symbolism around that, that when we, when we bend uh, down or bow down or go on our knees before somebody, it's a sign of great respect. We do it for royalty, um, human kings and queens. And so Paul is just emphasizing this, this whole thing of surrendering to God's sovereignty. Um, and I just want to answer the question from my perspective, and that is to say, yes, we can kneel and pray. Um, and for some of us, that's a very effective way. But of course, we can stand and pray. We can lie down and pray. The only thing about lying down and praying is you got to make sure you don't fall asleep um, while you're praying. Um, I like to run and pray or walk and pray. Um, it, people like to drive and pray, obviously, <laughs> with your eyes open. Um, I, I don't think God minds how we pray. It's just a case of coming to God in, in prayer. Paul then says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will give you mighty inner strength through his Holy Spirit. And I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts as you trust in him. May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love really is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is so great, and you will never fully understand it. Then you will be filled with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now glory be to God by his mighty power at work within us. He is able to accomplish infinitely more than we would ever dare to ask or hope. May he be given glory in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever throughout endless ages. Amen. 
Now, like I asked you the question, you know, what is Paul asking for in here, in this particular chapter, chapter 3? And uh, certainly as I glance over it, I, I see Paul's deep desire that the church would come to, come to know and come to understand God's incredible power, but also the love that holds all of us together. Um, he speaks about that, that beautiful image, and even as I hear the word spoken every time, I kind of imagine ourselves standing in one spot, let's just say wherever you are today, and then when we speak or comprehend how wide God's love is, and sort of think about what goes to your left and to your right, and then how long, you know, what, what lies ahead of you, what lies behind you, how high, you know, so what is above you, and then how deep his love really is, so what is below us. And this whole picture just shows that we can never really come to the end of God's limitless love. And, and so when he's writing this, this is the prayer, um, is that the people would get this great picture. Um, because what he's really wanting is, and he says it in verse 16 in, in the New Living Translation, that, that from God's unlimited resources, he would give us mighty inner strength through his spirit. And I don't think that's a, um, a selfish prayer at all. I think it's just a beautiful prayer that we can ask ourselves um, to get by as, as Christ followers, that God has unlimited resources. I mean, if you come back to that image I was sharing about standing there and picturing yourself, we, we can never see the end of God's love as it lies before us. We can never see the end of his love as it lies to the left and right of us or above and below us. And that is God's unlimited resources. And that's what Paul wants the church to grasp, that that is what we have at our disposal. Um, of course, we add a T and C in there that it's not for our um, selfish gratification, but so that we would, in Paul's words, verse 18, that you, we, you, the church, would have the power to understand so that all of this is about understanding where we are and, and experiencing God's love through everything that God has done for us in Christ Jesus. Now, now that is certainly something that we can pray for. And, and, and I want to encourage you that if you're stuck with your prayers at the moment, then just use this passage, reread it, um, and say, Lord, this is something that I want to experience in my life, or I want to experience this in my own church or my own family. Um, that we would come to this understanding, um, not just knowing it in our minds, but also knowing it in our hearts. Um, and so these words are beautiful, and we could go a lot more into them, but just for the moment, I'm going to leave it like that. So that's chapter 3. And then I'm going to go back to chapter 1, um, because there's another prayer that Paul um, offers to the church, and a very sincere prayer for them in their, in their time of need. It's from chapter 1, verse 15. Also a long prayer, um, but there are, are some beautiful gems for us in this. And so let me read it, and then I'll offer one or two insights. So from verse 15, if you have your Bible open, you can look at that. Paul says, Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for Christians everywhere, I have never stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. 
so that you might grow in the knowledge of God. Do you see there's quite a similar tone to this prayer um, as of chapter 3, that Paul is asking that the church would, would be granted through God's unlimited resources, spiritual wisdom and understanding. Um, the other thing here too, which he says, is that um, I have never stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly. And maybe there's also another answer to the prayer, like, well, if we're on our knees all the time, how can we constantly thank God or pray to God for people? Um, so therefore, we can pray while we're walking and working and uh, running and driving and whatever. You know, we can pray to God in any circumstance. He says, verse 18, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the wonderful future he has promised to those he has called. I want you to realize what a rich and glorious inheritance he has given to his people. Now, this may sound a little bit like it's um, just dealing with the head of uh, somebody, like the understanding, the wisdom, the brain part. But I, I do believe that sometimes there's a, there's a connection that must take place that when we come to understand or to know about God or to understand his power, that that then would impact upon how we live our lives. So it kind of starts in the head and works into the heart. Um, I've just remembered as I've been talking now, a quote that I heard years and years ago. Um, I can't even give credit to the person, but it was something along the lines of saying that the greatest journey that needs to be undertaken in the life of a Christian is the journey from the brain to the heart, that kind of distance from the brain all the way down to the heart. Um, and, the, and the implication of that was, yes, many of us have the knowledge of God and, and knowledge of scriptures, but does it translate into how we live our lives? And that is always that, that great challenge um, before us. Verse 19, I pray that you will begin to understand the incredible greatness of his power for us who believe. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor in God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Uh, the, the New Living Translation makes this clear, and it's, a, it's another picture for us to hold on to, is that when God gives us the gift of his spirit, it is not a lesser power or um, kind of a second best thing that God is giving to us. It is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. And that is, wow, that's overwhelming. That's almost too complicated to comprehend. Um, but that's, the, disposal, that's the, the power of God we have at our disposal even now um, as, we, as we hear these scriptures. Verse 21, now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else in this world or in the world to come. And God has put all things under the authority of Christ and gave him his authority for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is filled by Christ who fills everything everywhere with his presence. Do you see the link in this picture? Um, it's obviously very different words, but the image is the same, I think, of um, what he says in chapter 3 where the love of God is um, long and wide and high and deep. This is the same concept. He's talking about how God is a ruler far above anyone else. He's put all things under his authority and that the church is his body. It is filled by Christ who fills everything everywhere with his presence. Um, 
and, and again, it's a word picture. It's a picture for us to hold on to um, as we contemplate our own walk with God. So as, as we've shared in, in these two passages, I'm going to ask you to do a little bit more work yourselves, but come back to those two, request, uh, two questions. The first one we have answered um, about kneeling or standing in prayer. The other one is, though, so what two requests does Paul make for the Ephesians? We've kind of covered that. And how can you include these in your own prayer life? So, so that's the homework I'm going to ask us to do. So how do we include this in our own lives? Um, I, I found a, a quote just as we come to a close um, in, in one of the commentaries I was reading around this um, about you know, really putting this into practice. And I'm just trying to find it here um, in this other book where I'm not having much luck at the moment. Anyway, it was from Jonathan Swift. Um, he said something along the lines of, it seems that in religion and in church that we have just enough religion um, to, to make us hate people, but not enough to make us love people beyond all understanding. Now, I think I've just totally butchered that quote, but the, the, his point was that sometimes we have this knowledge of religion knowledge of God, knowledge of the Bible, that we use as the stick to beat other people who don't know the same as us or don't have the same understanding as us. And so what happens is we become very much like the Pharisees. We have enough religion that makes us almost um, yeah, unsympathetic, not compassionate anymore. We um, we think we are better than other people. And what that often does is it leads to divisions and hatred. Whereas the essence of Paul's comments in chapter 3 and chapter 1 are that when we comprehend how much love God has for us and how big God is, that that would then translate into living out the gospel. And that so that then when we live out, we live out in love. Um, and yes, I'm not minimizing that love is, love is a hard thing. Love comes with costs. Um, but the, but the, for me, and Jesus said the same thing, that you know, the true test of whether someone knows God or is religious is how they treat other people. You know? um, this Sunday, part of one of the readings in the lectionary is the, the famous passage where Jesus sums up the Ten Commandments. You know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Um, so, so Paul, in sharing these prayers, is not wanting to make the church in Ephesus so religious that they then become distant and almost arrogant, but to comprehend what they have at their disposal so they can then reveal this love to the world around them. And so, friends, I'm just going to offer those to you as a, as a starting point this week. May God bless you. Um, remember that if you are wanting to come to church on Sunday here in Fishhook, that you would um, just give us a call. We still are limited to 100 people. Um, and at the moment, the certainly the second service has space. Um, our first service is getting up to that mark. Um, so please just be aware of that. And those of you who are outside of Fishhook or still not um, feeling comfortable to return, we will be having an online service this Sunday. Friends, God bless you. And may you enjoy those prayers this week. In Jesus' name, amen.